I make good to above average vegetable omelets. Second or third rounders, like solid, you could win with them. They are not first rounders, but like there's room to go. This is the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, before we get started, and Juju Gotti's here with us uh, in studio. Not really, but it seems like it. Um, uh, I, need to, uh, I need to sort of acknowledge something that happened to me over the weekend that was really embarrassing. I um, posted all over social media uh, a photo of myself and my lovely bride on our wedding day, only to learn uh, it was not our wedding day. And uh, my, my wife and me... My wife immediately corrected me, saying this is a lovely thought, but this was like three years earlier than our wedding. Have you noticed I'm not wearing a wedding dress? And, uh, and then I got to like, you know, go on social media and do a set wreck, you know, set the record straight on what I just posted. So what I thought, it was her birthday, right? So what I thought was a lovely gesture on my part, uh, you know, my life's journey, my lifelong partner, happy birthday, dear. And, and all of a sudden it blows up in my face because, uh, you know, I look in my defense, I was in a tuxedo. I was just going to say, this speaks to how self-absorbed Greg Cody is. Cause he looks at a picture, he sees himself in a tuxedo and he's just like, that's all the info I need. It's my wedding day. I don't need to see the fact that my wife is wearing a brown dress. <laughs> I think it was a black dress, but your point is well taken. Um, it looked like a photo from the 1890s. So it's tough to, you know, it's tough to really tell. Yeah, I just go ahead and hit delete. Like, I hope, <laughs> I hope 100 people didn't see it. If so, they know the inside scoop. I have sent multiple tweets out where I'm like, this is such a funny joke I'm making. And then I misspell the most <laughs> basic word. And, like, I leave it up for, like, 17 seconds. And I'm like, 14 people saw this, but that's not that big a sample. So I can still get it. Right. I delete tweets right away if they're not popular. But this one... It had like 2,000 likes in an hour. I mean, it was just like people were eating it up. So I'm like, you know what? This is a popular tweet. I, just because I made a mistake, people are digging my mistake. I'm not going to delete it. So look, uh, Juju has a, a couple of very interesting things he wants to get to. Uh, in particular, uh, the dunce of the week. Wow. I'm eager to hear who that is. And, and this is in my wheelhouse because I was around during this time. <laughs> Medieval Wars. Um, that, that's uh, something I really want to get into but first <laughs> but first i want to officially welcome everybody to the greg cody show with greg cody and chris cody and juju Gotti because uh, my podcast family and listeners my cherished ears you know that we took last week off on podcation after 24 <laughs> straight episodes a case of pods to begin this venture we paused but now but now we're back with our special silver podiversary 25th episode we're it's a party. Are we doing this thing again? All right, we're celebrating. Oh, yeah. Come on, this is a party. Woo! It's a party. We should have had NBA Commissioner Adam Silver on. Um, by the way, do you know that the uh, the man who invented the barcode technology was named Bernard Silver? Uh, because, you know, we're going heavy on silver here because it's our silver anniversary. Silver gets a bad rap. Plays second fiddle to gold. It does. I'll be darned. I'll be darned. If silver, of all the precious metals, is the best conductor of heat and electricity, who knew that? My favorite silver, 
My favorite silver. The Lone Ranger's horse. The Lone Ranger's horse. Hi-yo, silver! Away! (laughs) The masked ranger would shout, Hi-yo, silver! Away! As he bid his steed into a full gallop. Is that a juice blender? Why am I hearing a juice blender? Like, what's happening? Is that a jackhammer? Why is there a jackhammer in my silver anniversary pa day? What's going on? Who's urinating? Get out of here, everybody. (laughs) Weird animals. Can we stop this party? This is a a production nightmare for me. Can we stop adding like random sounds in here? Are young kids singing happy birthday to the podcast? (laughs) Okay, yeah, you mentioned that already. Okay. Okay, all right. Let's... uh... Let's get started. Was that here. fun, Juju? Was that everything you thought it'd be, Juju? That celebration? I mean, that was that was actually good. <laughs> Don't sound so surprised. Silver. I got the paper silver. My favorite <laughs> silver is Long John Silver. Oh yeah, that's fire. <laughs> the Hush Puppies. Oh, those Hush Puppies. Yeah. Long John Silver's is a brilliant ad. As long as you put uh, malt vinegar on the crunchy fish, am I right? Are everybody in the malt vinegar? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. I used to work it. there. Yeah, you used to work yeah. there. Yeah, I used to uh, make a whole bunch of food before we left. So I'd be like, oh, man, we didn't even sell this. Well, get the to-go boxes out. <laughs> I loved Long John Silver. Is that still around? I don't think I don't so. Know. All right, let's no. bring it back. Um, <laughs> I want to mention, uh, before we get to uh, Juju and whatever he wants to talk about, I do want to mention one more thing. Uh, on Saturday, uh, I, I found myself actually being a true U.S. citizen. Um, I, I did what I, I didn't want to do it. I sort of forced myself to do it because I felt like it was my duty. There were a series of rallies um, nationwide Saturday to support the U.S. Postal Service uh, in the run-up to the presidential election. And uh, there was one about a 20-minute drive from me. So I went. I, I actually took a piece of uh, uh, wood, uh, thin wood, and I spray-painted a sign that read. I felt like a dork doing this. You I spray-painted are. A, I spray painted a sign that said, uh, vote for democracy, hashtag save the USPS. Um, I don't, you know, I don't want, we hardly ever get real serious on the podcast. I don't know why, but just about everything now in our fractured country, the the post office has become a partisan issue. Um, I do know why, but I support, (laughs) I I support anyone who is entitled to vote having that chance and having their vote fairly counted, whether they vote in person on election day, vote early, in person, by mail, by absentee. Um, Man, when we're closing polling places and closing down sorting machines, among other cutbacks, now something ain't right. And and I was proud as an American to just play a grain of sand's part in in some of these rallies Saturday, because I think it's important. I support that too. My my father actually... He uh, just retired from the post office uh, oh. July 1st, uh, 40 years. Wow. And as soon as he retired, it all went to Wow. <laughs> Coincidence? Right. I mean, he was holding yeah. it all together, and uh, look what happened. <laughs> Ultimate glue guy. Yes. <laughs> and this is going to come off as, as bragging. There we go. And I don't mean it to, but I really do. You know that. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm calling this the Greg Cody Show bump, okay, because here's what's happening. Uh, four quick things. Marlon's shortstop Miguel Rojas is a guest on our pod and immediately goes seven for ten to start the season. And then gets coronavirus. And then gets corona. But, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's an official stat. Um, he had a higher batting average 
uh, going into COVID-19 lockdown than any player in MLB history. ESPN's <laughs> Amin Hassan goes on our podcast and predicts the Heat would beat Milwaukee in the second round series two weeks before saying the same thing on the Levitard show. Yep. Okay. Filmmaker, politician Chad Klitzman is a guest on our pod. <laughs> and out of nowhere, this political unknown finishes in a virtual tie for Broward Supervisor of Elections with a, a recount now underway. Wouldn't, so, a, wouldn't a Greg Cody bump had gotten him the victory, though? Like, what are we doing? You're welcome, Chad. <laughs> okay. And, and finally, in our last episode, I say that football season is falling apart. I, I say that as a statement. Hours after the podcast drops, the Big Ten and Pac-12 say they won't play football in 2020. Now, call me Nostradamus after the French <laughs> astronomer and noted seer. I'm Greg Nostradamus. <laughs> Greg okay. Stradamus. Greg's yeah, that's right. I like it. Juju Gotti was on a few episodes back, and now he's working on new music, shooting a music video soon. So maybe that, like, there's a music, there's a bump there that he got from you. Uh, yeah. Also, the bump is from there is I was on the episode, and then the Miami Heat chose me to be in the crowd. There you go. There's flowers on my feet. It's all interrelated. It's all interrelated. I'm actually interested, before we get to his topics, like what the virtual fan experience is like. Is it literally just hopping in a Zoom and one camera you're watching the game and then the other one you see yourself? Or are you actually in one big Zoom with like a hundred of those fans and you guys can all interact with each other? Yeah, they have, um, basically it's your section. Um, They have an option where you can see yourself sitting down or you can just watch the game. That's what I was doing. I was watching the game. Right, right. You didn't want to see keep a toggle on everybody which was right. it was it was pretty cool though because the game was so big that it wasn't like I thought I thought it was gonna be messed up you know right I mean? and like they had a guy in there like pumping us up like come on guys okay <laughs> my mom sent me 20 clips of hers by the television watching me that's awesome <laughs> I go I go back and forth whether I prefer the 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 digital fan or the classic cardboard cutout but did you guys see um the other day was it a baseball game a major league game i'm not sure which but uh, a stu- a giant stuffed panda got hit in the head with a foul ball i don't think it was just i think <laughs> i don't think it was a panda not to be, to be nitpicking i saw that it was just a bear it was a stuffed bear it was down the left field line and someone hit a line drive and it just caught the bear right in the head <laughs> it was funny to see in slow motion i hope the bear is okay i mean yeah. our thoughts uh, our thoughts and prayers mm-hmm. and all right. that stuff they should have had um, the net yeah they should have had the net Let's get to uh, let's get to Juju's like all right, Juju. What's this this dunce of the week? Dunce of the week, you know what I mean? I think well, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory this week. We had two dunces of the week. Yeah. Uh, the uh, of course, Brennan guy. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, God. His apology, I think, made it even a thousand times worse. Yes. Like if he was, he should have just like ran away. Like as soon as he said it, he should have just faked a heart attack or something. Man, seriously. But, his apology was so bad, especially with the home run call. I mean, that made it great. It was so bad, but it was still, like, just chef's right. kiss of, like, oh, this is perfect. Right. It <laughs> went viral because of the apology. So now we know what you've done or what you said because of your whack apology. Oh. And that's – he's definitely done so the week, part number one. Number two, the guy from the Hornets yeah. who was like uh, – the uh, the Utah Jazz versus the Denver guys. <laughs> yeah, he, right. he he meant to write Nuggets, and I mean, oh. 
What right. happened? What happened there, Juju? Like he I wrote the N word. He wrote the I, bad N word. I went to my phone and just tried to type it in, and it never goes to that. You know, what right? I mean? Never. I write the music. You know what I mean? I write a lot of explicit music, and it always takes me to Nigeria, or right? Other places. That's not even kind of what it does. So it's like, so if that's programmed in his phone, yes, that's he always types that. You know right. What I mean? So people are speculating that he wrote nuggets and it auto-corrected to a word that he might have written in the past. Walk to the ocean. (laughs) You know, in in this case, the explanation makes it so much worse. You know, because like with with Brenneman, I mean, he's heard on tape saying uh, a a disparaging word. Saying it with his chest, too. Like, (laughs) saying it like this is not his first merry-go-round. Saying it like... This is a thing that I say. <laughs> right. And then he has the gall to say, you know, anybody who knows me knows that doesn't represent me. Well, don't say it, you know. Right. And, and if you say it on the air, chances are it's only about the millionth time you've said it right. during your life. The, the uh, crazy you know, so part, get out of here. The, the craziest part about that is Tom Brenneman, he has to sit there on live TV with this. Because most of the time when people have these kind of shame moments, it's yeah. a released video on TMZ. It's a, something caught on video that gets put on Twitter. And then this person can then think about how they want to pick their statement. This guy did this live on TV and then had to sit there and do a home run call in the shame of this. That's what made this mo- more unique right. than other like shame. Cause we've had these shameful things all over the place, but this story was different because it happened and he had to sit there and be embarrassed right. in front of us. That's not the real me. The real me is who right. I am on camera. Right, the- right. <laughs> you got, right. got it all wrong. Oh. Yeah, I mean, you know, the classic, the classic saying is that uh, your character is revealed when no one's watching, or in this case, when no one's right. listening. And he doesn't right. think anybody's listening. And guess what? His character was revealed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he's definitely co-owner of the Dance of the <laughs> This week, along with the Charlotte guy who autocorrects bleep. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got on your mind, Juju? I've been watching a lot of Vikings and TV shows in the quarantine. And it made me think, like, if I was in a war, if I was a Viking and I'm fighting another group of Vikings, how would I know who's on my team? Like, <laughs> like nothing but all brown. The same. <laughs> right. Everybody got on brown leather, brown shields ponytails and braids right. i would just I, I probably would just like kind of fake dead and just like, <laughs> i've thought that for my entire life if i ever got drafted into a war i would be the worst soldier ever because right. i be, like looking for any place to hide and i would be faking my death if <laughs> like I, and i know that's like a terrible thing to say because like there's right. people that like that fought not- for our country and like they're the bravest people oh yeah some people are not meant for this, and I am not meant for that world. <laughs> At least we got camouflage. Like, we might be in a, a different camo than the other people now, but the Viking days, they was all in, like, browns, like, yes. leather, in the middle of mud. So it's like, oh, man, are you my cousin? But right. you get- If you're not sure, I think the rule is when in doubt, just kill, because you might right. get killed if you hesitate. So I used to see, uh, think the exact same thing, Juju, when I was watching Game of Thrones during their their big battle scenes everybody on either side is like a 300 pound man with a giant beard they all they, they all look similar they're all carrying the same shields and how do you know who's your guy and who's not 
Right. You just got to kill everybody around you. Just like, ah, shouldn't have been here. Another thing about those fights is the worst luck ever is the people who get hit with arrows. Like the first, you know, when the archers go up, to be one of those first 10 people to be training for war for weeks or months, you get hit with an arrow. That's another thing. I've thought about that in movies where I'm seeing these like big war scenes and it's like, I'm never going to be the guy on the front line. Like I'm going to be like, I'll hang back here. I'm going to be way back here. Let's go. Let's go. Go ahead. You go first. You go first. I'll be in the back. Yeah, let's go. Like Man, I've been doing push-ups for 20 weeks for this war. And now I got hit with an arrow. Somebody get it out of my face. Nobody just runs up to you. Like, dang. And back then, they didn't have surgery. Here, you're nope. dead. Exactly. <laughs> so antibiotics back then. You know, what are you going to do? Right. Back then, they didn't even have, like, eye, did they even have, like, eyewear yet? We're, we're, everyone's blind. Right. Like, nobody can see anything. Right. People were dying from paper cuts. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> God, imagine just living in, like, the 1700s where it's just, like, there's no right. medicine. There's no eyewear. I'm going to die at age 29. Like, right. what a crazy, like, we're so well, lucky. Or the frontier when he was a cowboy and you had no AC. You just oh. outside, like, trying to make games up and you just bored and hot <laughs> you know I mean? you go to the saloon and it's like everybody's spitting into a platoon <laughs> like what is going on remember marty mcfly went back and they said oh that was terrible yep <laughs> those were the days you know somebody shoots you in a saloon you fly backward through a bat wing door i mean they land in a dirty <laughs> street uh you know a cow pisses on you i mean there's you know no no rhyme or reason to it right somebody challenged you to a duel at high noon right i'll be like i'm even town i'm not gonna shoot out with this man <laughs> and what was so great about high noon you know we're we're eating lunch here can't we do it at one i mean right. <laughs> come on trying to eat a lovely lunch hey before we move on uh, i i want to have our sportsy minute because uh we have to be we have to be at least uh, mildly tethered to sports in what ostensibly is a sports podcast in, in the Miami area. Uh, Inter Miami, the Major League Soccer expansion team, finally five months later, mm. finally plays a home game uh, before cardboard fans and uh, and wins. My Inter Miami wins a game. David Beckham and Glo- and uh, what's his name Victoria. They're they're toasting having <laughs> champagne. Uh, not that they don't name? every night, what's but. What in Victoria? <laughs> <laughs> Victoria, right? Yes, yes. Vicky Beckham. Posh. It's posh by. I mean, I think her name is Victoria, but it's posh, right? Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> but they're happy now. So congratulations to Inter Miami. Um, Miami Heat kicking ass uh, in, in the first round of the series. So you're um, just are you just reporting news right now? Like, what are we doing here? Well, I'm, I'm doing more than that. You know, the Heat are up three nothing. Uh, they're playing the game four. Monday, when this podcast drops, will they win? Uh, will they not? Well, I'm guaranteeing right now that they're going to win. It's going to oh, be a wow. four-game sweep, and they're going to go on to play Milwaukee in the second round. And like Amin El Hassan uh, predicted on our podcast, they are going to beat Milwaukee. Um, so I, I don't know what you guys think. The ball movement by the Heat has been insane. But if you're listening to this podcast on Wednesday and Game 5 for the Pacers, Heat is tonight, Greg Cody was wrong. Right. It's true. <laughs> they have kind of punishment for wrong uh, takes on, on the grid. Look, I see a limb. I got to go out on it. You know what I'm saying? 
Um, and, and a quick, we, we don't mention Marlins enough on this podcast, although actually we do because we even had Miguel Rojas on. But um, Sixto Sanchez oh. makes his maiden major league start. And, you know, I thought he, he gave up a couple of home runs, but I thought he looked very encouraging. His stuff gives off vibes of Jose Fernandez, RIP. Like he, yeah. he's, got the, he's got the high 90s fastball, the nasty slider, and what he has that is better than Jose Fernandez is the changeup. Jose lived basically with his fastball and the slider, and he dominated. Sixto still needs to get older and develop a little bit, but he's got three dominant pitches with that changeup. So that, like, I had really just read a lot about Sixto, so seeing him on Saturday night was my first time really getting to watch him pitch for an extended period. And it, he was, he's all the hype. Like I'm excited about that. He, he also has the legend in the making name, Sixto Sanchez. Sixto Talk about a, a guy. He's the gunslinger. Sixto Sanchez is the gunslinger in the old West who's yeah. sending other guys through the bat wing door. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's a gunslinger's yeah. name. Sixto yep. Sanchez. Love it. Exactly. I heard of you. That's old Sixto Sanchez. Exactly. <laughs> in the West. It's a great name. I've never has there been other six those before is this a name that I'm I'm like I don't know of any I wonder what his mother meant by it yeah right I know the meaning behind it well maybe he's the sixth child would that be too simple would that be like (laughs) that'll be hilarious yeah (laughs) anyway (laughs) take that out of the podcast because no I like it when you just peter out sometimes it's funny Did y'all see um, McAfee last night? Oh, my God. I I was just describing that to my dad before we got on. Like, usually the sports guy or the celebrity that comes into the WWE world, they're just like a character. They do things for social media just to get some extra rub. They got McAfee, like, in this. Like, they must be paying him. That dude, for the people that didn't see it, he, Pat McAfee, former punter for the Colts, who now does sports media, just – Looked like a real wrestler. That was impressive. Right. He jumped on the top rope and then did the backflip and then oh. jumped back up. I was like, a tear ran down my eyes. I'm like, oh, man. What's how did they – did I didn't see the end of the match, so maybe he ended up winning. But I saw he did that suplex off the top rope, and then he right. goes to pin him, and the guy kicks up after two and, and a half. So, like, that was, right. I was a little disappointed. Did he end up getting a win? I didn't see the end. Yeah, spoiler alert, he lost. <laughs> If you guys were a wrestler, what would be your walkout music? Oh, wow. Well, like, I, I go to, like, classic other wrestlers' music. Like, I would just want to, like, steal, like, Stone Cold. Like, no one's ever going to beat. Because the key to a good wrestling song is it needs to, like, hit you quick. So, like, when you make yeah. one of those, like, surprise appearances where you're just running to the ring where it sounds quick, good, quick. Like, my gold and silver medalists for all-time songs are Stone Cold Steve Austin with the glass breaking or yeah. – the rock if you smell what the rock is cooking dude like those are my top what are your what are your top like definitely stone cold because like out of nowhere glass breaks (laughs) (laughs) like that's the best i also like goldberg Goldberg oh yeah so like oh man the terminator is coming to the ring Greg has no contributions to this conversation. At all. <laughs> well, I, w- I was about to say, I don't know wrestling enough to know who, what anyone's walk-up song is, but I'm wondering, does anybody in the history of wrestling go counter form and come out to classical music? Here we go. 
or you know what I'm saying, or, or something that you would never expect. That's a. I was gonna say that you would come out, of course, to like you know 1440 or something. Like, Jimmy found this interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Buffett's greatest hits. Yeah, yeah. There you go. L- Lonely cruise is that what it is? Right. Lovely <laughs> Some, cruise. Lovely cruise. Sorry. Something mournful for me. Give me uh, comfortably numb by Pink Floyd and. It, it, it'll be like a seven-minute walk-up song. I'll be very somber when I'm coming out. I'll be wearing a, like a, a black hood, you know, like a, a, a mystery man, like a Merlin the Magician. It'll be scary. Greg, like, what is your history with, with wrestling? Like, who, who are your favorite wrestlers of all time? Like, what's your heyday for Greg Cody being a fan of wrestling? The only thing I remember about wrestling uh, is back in the day, it was in black and white. I, I think... Um, <laughs> It was, I think back then it was called the World Wrestling Federation. WWF, and, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, and everything was taped in Atlanta. I think everything was based in Atlanta. Am I wrong about that, Juju Gotti? Yeah, they were. They were a lot going on. That was a good teammate by Juju Gotti right there. I felt like he wasn't really sure if you're right what you just said. You're like, yeah, that's definitely, yeah, what you no, said. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's what they were doing back in the 1800s. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right. And the only wrestler I can remember from my youth, my youth, Haystack Calhoun. Of course. I remember that name. One of the great names of all time. Whatever happened to Haystack? Let's get him on the podcast. Okay. Right. He's probably been dead for 40 years. <laughs> Another good music was um, uh, Masvidal comes out to the Scarface, like, uh, songs like, Dum. you know what I mean? Like, the Scarface. Yeah, just yeah. That's a good song to come out to. It's like, oh, man, I'm about to get my butt kicked. Haystack Calhoun died in 1989. <laughs> 1989. Well, we yeah. just missed him. We should have started the podcast in 88 and had him on. <laughs> he kind of looked like Joey. <laughs> a friend of ours, Joey. That's funny, like, because Juju knows Joey and Greg knows Joey, but nobody else listening knows Joey, but it's right. funny. Well, Joey's listening, and, and, you know, is he insulted right now? Is he happy? I mean, nah, he's fine. Okay. Right. That's out to Joey, a, form, yeah. uh, a fellow girder. Yep, he girds. Yes, for sure. Girding. What, uh, you got, uh, Juju, before we get to this Tannenbaum interview, you got anything else on, on your plate? Last night I was watching, um, watching the, the, the game. And they was making a big deal about uh, LeBron game faces on. Like, oh, oh yeah. Lay off LeBron. And so I was thinking, like, oh, I wonder what the best all-time game faces are. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Bill Cowher had a, a strong streak. Oh, wow. Oh, you're just saying, I like what you're doing here. You're just doing, like, just generally, yeah. like, look. Like, who has the best game <laughs> face? I like that. Oh, Al- Alonzo Mourning had a great okay. game well, yeah. face. Oh, man. I- he means business. So basically, who means business is what we're asking. Like, who's just by looking at them during a game, like, they, that's a game face right there. Russell Westbrook, I feel like, has a good game face. Oh, yeah. He'd be meaning business. Yeah. Udonis Haslam, he can, he can bring a game face even right. from the bench. I'm trying to think in baseball. Who has game faces in baseball? This is tough. It's a hard sport to have a game face for because it's boring. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the guy I can't from think of anybody. had a good um, Scherzer. Yeah, yeah. Scherzer, because he has like two color eyes. That's yeah. a great game face. The little giants when they uh, put the aspirin in their mouth. Wow. <laughs> Intimidation. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a good movie. Icebox. Greg has no idea. He he like laughed there to tr- to show support, but he has no idea that reference. Little, little giants. What is that movie? I don't know it. It's, uh, I mean, it's a movie with Ed O'Neill as the coach where he, he ends up fighting like, right, right. versus Rick Moranis' team. It's like, it's basically Hercules versus the, the, the have-nots in a football okay. game, basically. Oscar right. winner? 
<laughs> no, no Oscar for that no, one. No. It's like um, a kids movie. Okay. Yeah. Sandlot. Uh, I know Sandlot. He's was just that trying a- to contribute. He's like, all right, they're talking about movies, Oscar yeah. worthy. Field of Dreams. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm throwing out movie phrases here. His brother was Rick Moranis, that, but that was believable. Ed O'Neill and then, yeah, like, <laughs> like the same two parents created those two different people. Right. <laughs> Juju Gotti, thank you as always. A uh, friend of the podcast, friend in general, and, uh, and a great guy. Listen to his music. And uh, you got new stuff coming out real quick. Juju, when's that coming out? Do you have a, a drop date yet? Uh, as soon as the vaccine hits America. <laughs> 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 that day my music comes out. Okay, that will be, both things will be celebrated equally. How many songs you got in the can, though, that you're, like, deciding about what you're going to release next? Man, I got, like, 60 songs. I'd be done. Damn. I just be three songs a day now because that's just to try, to try not to go crazy. You know what I mean? Your last album crushed it, so I'm excited. So, yeah, check out all his work. And, uh, Greg, who are we talking to next? We want to welcome to the podcast uh, a very familiar voice in NFL circles. Mike Tannenbaum uh, spent a lot of years as uh, GM and executive VP of football ops for the New York Jets. Uh, Saw the Jets twice in the AFC championship game uh, in a similar front office role with the Miami Dolphins. In 2015 to 18, he was here when Miami ended its seven-year playoff drought. And, uh, And now Mike can be heard uh, as an expert analyst, a front office insider for ESPN. So, Mike, with, uh, with, with that intro, we thank you for being here. And um, uh, I, I want to start with a heavy-hitting question, a serious question. It's a Sunday morning when we record these things, so I have to ask you, uh, what's the go-to Sunday breakfast in the Tannenbaum household? <laughs> well, Greg, it's great to be with you. So, actually, I, I make breakfast. Um, it's something, I would say, like skill development uh, in the last couple of years. So I, I make, I would say good to above average vegetable omelets, you nice. know, second or third rounders like Sal, you could win with them. They are not first rounders, but like there's room to go. <laughs> so I would say like, you know, I'm like that second or third round, like big 10 offensive lineman, like a lot of upside, but definitely like flaws in the game. So you, you're, you're looking for improvement, but you can win with them. Okay. Where, what, what's the, the big improvement that your omelet needs? Is it in the flipping? Is it uh uh, like, where, where do you go wrong? What needs improvement yeah. in your omelet? You know, Greg, they, they kind of fall apart a little bit. Like, I probably go a little bit too heavy on the vegetables and, like, the, the consistency and the mixture. So, But I like to think I'm coachable, you know, and I'll put a lot of time into it in the offseason. So hopefully if we're doing this, you know, a year from now, we're, we're going to be talking about more dominant omelet making. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Um, weird um, season, to say the least. Uh, the, the preseason has been – interrupted and, and cut short no preseason games at all uh when you mentioned miami they have a particularly young team with a lot of roster turnover a lot of first year dolphins that has to be a disadvantage right the idea that you're trying to gauge how ready to attack of is the new quarterback but you you don't get to see him in in even a practice game uh how does that weigh on his progress and and whether or not you you start him right away or give him a redshirt year or start him at midseason. How does all that factor in? Yeah, Greg, I think when we look at all the rookie quarterbacks with the exception of Joe Burrow, I think they all deserve the huge benefit of the doubt. And here's why specifically, let's assume that, you know, Jordan Love's not going to play and Aaron Rodgers is. When you look at Herbert and Tua Tagovailoa's situation, they're very similar. Tua is behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, who played for Chan Gailey in Buffalo. Herbert is behind 
Tyrod Taylor, who played for Anthony Lynn, ironically, in Buffalo as well, they're massively behind. It's impossible to say it's even a fair fight because they have years and years of experience. Let me, let me give you another great example. On opening day, Tampa Bay goes to New Orleans. Everyone's talking about Breeze versus Brady. Drew Brees has approximately 13,000 snaps with Sean Payton. Tom Brady has zero with Bruce Arians. If two people were walking in for an exam that were both similarly educated, similar age, similar ability, but one studied 13,000 hours for that test and one person studied zero, I'm betting on the 13,000 hours. So I think Tua's trajectory, his career, it's all in front of him. But I think how we judge him through the lens of 2020 has to take it with a huge grain of salt because, again, these guys have never you know, been around a pro camp before. And I think one of the mistakes, candidly, that I think Cincinnati made was I would have kept Andy Dalton for this first year because it doesn't matter how Joe Burrow plays in 2020. Joe Burrow needs to find out how to get to the training room. He needs to learn the name of the equipment manager. He needs to know, you know the favorite dessert of the wide receiver and where he's taking the offensive alignment out for dinner. There's so many things that go on behind the scenes and to put him under center from day one, I think, is unbelievably unfair to Joe Burrow's future. And I like him, and I like Zach Taylor, but I just don't think that's putting him in a position to be successful. Let's say we're redrafting the entire NFL. Which AFC East quarterback gets drafted first? Well, I think that's a simple question and a complicated answer. Are we talking about for one day? Are we talking about for one year? Or are we talking about for the next 10 years? No, I'm talking about like for the, like for the next 10 years. I'm trying to get you to answer Tua. So I'm trying to set this up <laughs> however I can get you to answer Tua. How come you're not asking me a follow-up about my Vegiamas? Well, that, we're going to get there. Trust me. I have, a, I have a few notes on that. We're going to get back to that. But I just no, basically no, – no. What I've been saying around here is that I think the Dolphins already have the best quarterback in the AFC East, assuming health, if we're assuming health. Yeah, well, actually, I would answer it differently. If you had to play one game today, um, and I've said this before, if you had to play one game today in the AFC East to go win a game, I'd probably take you Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't think people realize, like, if you look at objectively the last eight games of last year and throw away their last names, throw away their legacies, you can make the argument that Fitzpatrick outplayed Tom Brady in the last eight games of the season. Now, I'm not saying I'm taking Ryan Fitzpatrick for the next 10 years, but I'm saying if we go by what we see last year and we're being fair objective and we're playing one game, you could certainly make the, the discussion that I'm taking Fitzpatrick. I'll tell you who's not in the discussion. I'm not taking Josh Allen because Josh Allen was inaccurate um, at Wyoming. And when he throws the ball in the air 20 yards or more to the left hash mark, he is one of the worst in the NFL. And if I know that, I could promise you that the opposing defensive coordinators know that. And in the NFL, if you can't increase, uh, improve upon your weakness, you're dead. You have to prove that you can beat teams left-handed, and Josh Allen can't do that. So it's really going to come down to, in my opinion, a healthy Cam Newton, Tua, and Sam Darnold. Mike, I was happy to hear you throw some respect at Fitzpatrick because, uh, you know, he, he's the – has the cloak of being a, the career journeyman and all that, but he's been great the last couple of years. I mean, he's had put some really solid play on the field, and he's one more reason why you don't hurry to it. You don't need to hurry to it. Um, what's your best guess from, from what your eyes tell you on when we're going to see Miami give the keys to the franchise to Tua? Do you, do you suspect it's going to be game four, midseason, late season? Next year? I mean, yeah. what's your – Yeah, I would be in no rush because, again, I, I, look, I've seen it a few different ways in my career. But, you know, one of the ways I saw it was with Chad Pennington, who sat for a couple of years behind Vinny Testaverde 
And when, when he went in, he played exceptionally well. Now, we when you're, we started Mark Sanchez as a rookie and we went to the championship game, now you can make the argument we probably went despite him because he played very inconsistently. We had a very good defense that year. Um, but if you're Miami and you feel like this is the guy for the next 10 years, there is no rush. And, I, you know, there's a very a couple of very fundamental sort of like thresholds for me. Number one, can he protect himself? Like, does he know the protections well enough to know, like, when he's hot, when there's going to be, a, you know, a, a blitzer that's going to come free that, you know, that cannot be accounted for? Because if he holds the ball and doesn't realize there's an unaccounted for blitzer, that's how you get hurt. So those are some of the things that even before we have that discussion, he needs to know the protections and the adjustments cold. And then from there, I would just see – I would be somewhat mindful of the season, which is, look, Miami's defense, I think, has vastly improved. They could certainly play a lot – like, to me, the two things to evaluate a defense, can they play man-to-man on the back end? Absolutely they can. Byron Jones, uh, Eagle would be gay. I always butcher his name, by the way. But uh, another guy from Auburn who uh, can play man-to-man. And then – I think they have a lot of versatility up front, so they should have the ability to rush the pass, or they can play man-to-man on the back end, assuming Xavier Howard's healthy. And if Ryan Fitzpatrick plays close to where he was a year ago, I don't think there's a rush, knowing that, again, they're hoping he's their 10-year solution. Right. Um, what's your big board on on um, omelet vegetables? What would be, like, the top draft pick for your omelet and, and the second pick? Yeah, I think what's underrated is, like, to buy the pre-chopped vegetables, like, because that's just something else. Like, I'm very, like, limited skill-wise. I'm not a good <laughs> chopper, so we buy the – or I should say my wife, she does a very nice job of getting the pre-chopped vegetables. So that puts me in a much better position to be successful. <laughs> wow, that's a that's a life hack. Uh, you know, I, I – um, I, I cut my he's own. So I didn't right. know no. you could buy pre-chopped he's, vegetables. Oh, my God. You didn't know that? It's, no. He's so right. That The chopped onions, the chopped tomatoes. It's so easy. You, they charge you like 50 cents more probably, but it's worth it. Mike, you, um, you spent probably a dozen years as, as the, the guy in charge of deciding uh, issues in the draft and free agency. What's your best get, uh, either as a draft pick or as a free agent signing? And, and maybe a guy who you had to convince others that this was the right guy and it turned out you were right. Well, probably the one, you know, I'm proud of so many of them. Um, but a couple come to mind. One is uh, Darrell Rivas. And I think what was really the, the part about Rivas that was uh, we were so proud of was the process we used, which was this is going back to the old Big East. And when he came out, there were not a lot of good receivers in the Big East that year. So we had to do a lot of work on the spring. We, we had to do a lot of work on him personally. We just didn't have much information. And there was two other uh, first-round picks coming out that year at corner, Leon Hall and Aaron Ross. And we were desperate for a corner that year, and we, we traded up for him. And uh, obviously that worked out well. And then, you know, likewise, I, you know, Tunsil at, at Miami, and, and here's why. You know, Laramie had a big bump in the road. It was a national story with the videotape. Um, but we had a great process. You know, there's a lot of really good scouts and, and a good personnel department in Miami. And uh, we had really good information about his character, and it was a great example of a good person making a mistake who had way more ability than being the 13th pick in the draft. And when we had to make that decision and we were sitting there, we all felt like this was an opportunity that other teams were, you know, panicking. And again, we had a great process. It was thorough and it's easy to look back and say, well, yeah, of course you should take Larry B. Tunsil that part of the draft. But at that moment, everyone was panicking 
and we fell back on a good process to get a good result. Do you have any running jokes with like former coworkers or people that worked with you in front offices of like guys you thought would be good and guys they didn't and you're still texting them to this day like oh, I told you goals like you know what I mean just like funny stuff like that? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny with like somebody like Rex, you know, like there was never a defensive player that couldn't play and, you know, every <laughs> offensive player stunk. And one of the great joys of uh, working at ESPN was last year I sat between uh, John Fox and Rex Ryan. And like here are two like defensive geniuses. And I always told the uh, executives at, at, at ESPN, like, you know, between those guys and Del Rio, like, I'm very confident in our third down blitz package, but we can't make a first down. We don't have anybody. Can we hire an offensive coach here, please? <laughs> so um, we, 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 we had a lot of fun about, like, how bad offenses were and how, you know, Fox and Rex could just get to every quarterback. Any um, regrets on, on how it ended for you in Miami? Yeah. I, I, you know, the thing that really keeps me up at night is, um, you know, really, like, the, the – the management of the depth chart at the quarterback position. You know, when Ryan Tannehill was healthy, he took us to the playoffs. When he was healthy for Tennessee, we saw him take a team to the playoffs. And it's hard to win when you sign, you know, Jay Cutler in August. It's, you know, it goes back a little bit to what we talked about earlier, which is reps mean a lot and preseason mean a lot. And when you try to take a guy off the couch who was in broadcasting and ask him to play at a high level, that's not fair to him. And, um, you know, when we're out there with guys that, taking nothing away from him, but the Brock Osweilers of the world and all the other players we had at quarterback, it wasn't good enough. And um, there's a lot of things I would have done differently, but obviously most notably, you know, having more depth behind Ryan, I think would have really helped us. And, uh, you know, unfortunately we, we fell short there. Uh, Mike, I'm going to let you go on this. In, in the National Breakfast League uh, on that division, <laughs> there's, a, there's a raging – controversy over the trend toward white egg omelets, uh, egg white omelets, I guess they're called. I don't know. Uh, what do you think of uh, the, the trend toward egg white omelets? Yeah, you got to dress those suckers up. You, you need lots of spices, a little spicy mayo on the side, but you, you cannot win with an egg white omelet. It's like below average. You, you're you're, you're going to be, you know, replaced quickly if you try to win with egg white omelets because they're just average at best. <laughs> even even if this egg white omelet has a strong cheese base, like a good like offensive line, like strong cheese base, it's still you can't win. That 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 could be part of the solution, but again, uh, you know, a little bit of spices, definitely like a strong dose of spicy mayo gives you a chance. And and while we're on this topic, Sir Kensington is like the franchise level spicy mayo. Like you could go get average, run in the middle, third round spicy. Wow. But if you're trying to win a championship, Sir Kensington spicy mayo is a championship level level spicy mayo. I'm writing that down. Thank you. I like that. That, that, Mike, that. That'll be a better recommendation than me drafting Darrell Revis. <laughs> Mike, on that, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And um, stay well, be well, and um, keep doing good work. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you guys having me. A lot of fun. Hey, look. Stepping into the batter's box now, another Mount Gregmore name game. The H edition, and hooray for that. Why are we uh, stepping into a batter's box today? What's going on here? Uh, you know, it's a sports podcast, ostensibly, so I like to throw in a sporty reference whenever possible. Changing up the intro. Nice. There you go. You all know by now we bring you the top five American first names this week, beginning with H over the past 100 years via government records, and then present the Mount Gregmore of the winning name. 
Number five. God, this has got Hank written all over it. <laughs> Number five, Hannah. Number four, Harold. Oh, God. Number three, Heather. Number two, Henry. And numero uno, Helen. Oh, God. And oh, now, my God. Yes. Is it Helen? Oh, oh my God. This is going to be so bad. This is going to be the and, worst one yet. And now, come on, Greg Moore of Helen's honorable mention. She was a 1920s and 30s singer and actress whose voice and appearance most famously inspired the cartoon character Betty Boop. She unsuccessfully sued over the theft of her boop boop a doop style Helen Kane. Number Ooh. five. <laughs> Number five. I don't know anything you referenced there. Like I don't know anything you referenced there. I, I, I don't think I admit, caught any of those references. I had never heard of Helen Kane either. I had heard of Betty Boop 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 a doop. Number five. This Academy Award and Golden Globe winning British actress is still going strong at age 75. She's Helen Mirren. <laughs> number four, the now retired Australian pop singer had three number one hits in the 1970s. Her biggest of all, here's a hint. She is woman, hear her roar. It's Helen Reddy. <laughs> number three, from Greek mythology, she was said to be the most beautiful woman in the world. Her Christ. beauty touching off the Trojan War and making her perhaps the most popular subject of Renaissance-era painting. She was the daughter of Zeus. Now, imagine you're coming to the door to date the daughter of the god of sky and thunder. But he was just dad to Helen of Troy. Who? Helen of Troy. Number two. This star of stage and screen enjoyed an 80-year career. That's almost as long as I've been writing for the Herald. That earned her the title First Lady of the Theater. One of only 16 people in history to win an Oscar, an Emmy, a Grammy, and a Tony, Helen Hayes. This is the worst one we've done so far. Thank you. And now, the number one Helen ever born. At 19 months old, this American toddler contracted a malady believed to be scarlet fever or meningitis that left her deaf and blind. It did not stop her from becoming an author, activist, and lecturer who learned to speak by reading lips with her fingertips. She inspired the movie The Miracle Worker. Ladies and gentlemen, Helen Keller. How does Helen Hunt not make this list? The, the one Helen that people actually know. You can reference a couple movies. It's actually yeah. a name people are aware of. She was considered, she was in the wheelhouse of consideration, but I must tease next week's Mount Gregmore of I's because the I's don't have it. I is the first letter in the alphabet with zero names in the overall top 100, let alone five. So, so does that mean, that how, about, how about you just let me, hi Riley, good to hear from you. How about- My dog is barking. Why don't you just let me choose the name next week then? And we'll have fun. We'll, like, you let me pick it and we'll let the audience find out. Like, that'll be their way of saying, wow, this list is a lot, this game's a lot more fun when Chris picks the name. Like, what if I give you okay. a name in advance and you have to give me your Mount Gregmore of that name? Okay, so you're going to give me a name starting with I and yes. I'm going to give you a Mount Gregmore. That sounds fine. So let's see who Chris Cody picks as the all-time greatest I. I'm excited to get to pick the name. I'm, I feel like I'm going to turn this whole bit around with me having control over that. 
Okay, I, you know, and I and I will in turn rise to the occasion by giving you a kick-ass Mount Greg Moore of eyes. Thanks as always, podcast family, for joining us. This was podcast history. This was Podiversary episode twenty-five, our silver episode. We had a pod day. Uh, we thank Juju Gotti for sitting in with us most of this show. Uh, we thank Mike Tannenbaum, the former NFL executive, and rate review. And subscribe because it's important. Continue to follow us. We'll continue to support you following us. And we'll see you next week. How exactly are you supporting the people following you? I love every one of my listeners. You know that. Other than that sentence you just said that you support them. They know it's sincere. (laughs) Supporting it. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.